0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Honeycomb. I am your host, Kelsey, a.k.a. B. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I hope you all are having a really great week. I know that it is only Tuesday, but I hope it's been great so far and that it just continues to be an awesome week. Today, we are going to be talking about... Um something a little bit personal, sharing a little bit of personal backstory about myself, and then I'm also going to be talking about all of the books that I have read in March. So let's go ahead and get started. To start off with, I just want to say I love reading. I've always loved exploring new worlds, learning about the life experiences of others, finding new recipes to try, seeing how reality looks through the eyes of someone other than myself. And in high school, I read a lot for fun, and then in college, I was constantly reading interesting books because I loved my major. Then last year, which was the year following my graduation, I stopped reading almost entirely. For a while, I was the person who always had a journal and a fresh Goodwill find tucked in her purse just in case I was out somewhere and I happened to get a moment of downtime. And then suddenly I wasn't. I went through a bit of a time of deviation. Last year was really hard for me in terms of my overall attitude. I was miserable at my job, and I let it bleed into all the other aspects of my life, too. I started that job last spring, and at first it really wasn't too bad. You know, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do with my life, but the pay was good, there were great benefits, and it was a good company that I figured I could work my way up in. But as time went on, I just realized how poorly suited I was for the type of work I was doing, and it got harder and harder to handle. So I did what I could to make the best of it, and I did make some great friends, got important experiences along the way, but I knew that when an opportunity came to leave, I was going to have to take it. And anyway, the point is that this dissatisfaction in my job subconsciously led to underperforming in the other areas of my life. I was miserable at work, so I wanted to sleep in as late as possible, making it nearly impossible for me to get up early and go to the gym. I was miserable at work, so instead of trying to find fun and interesting recipes, I settled for easy and oftentimes unhealthy meals. I was miserable at work, so when I hung out with my family and friends on the weekends, I felt like my energy had all been used up and I had nothing left to give them. I was just there, you know, like a dirty pair of old sweatpants on the floor, not adding anything to any social event. And ultimately, I was miserable at work, so I gave up engaging my brain and learning new things to just instead curl up in bed and watch hours of YouTube and old episodes of Arrested Development. Now, a bit of a, a disclaimer here. I'm not bashing on watching TV or YouTube or Twitch or anything that you might stream or anything like that. I still do watch a lot of videos every day. You know, I like to have the noise on when I'm getting ready and when I'm cooking. It's just, I like to have that sound. It's very comforting. But what I am saying is that instead of splitting the time up in a way that gave me a healthy balance, I just gave up all of the things that I really enjoy doing altogether. So, in terms of where I am today regarding reading, in January, I started a new job that I like. It challenges me without draining me completely and allows me to listen to he- headphones about 90% of the time. And at first, I was just listening to funny podcasts, but then I realized I could split that time up and listen to some books too, which made me realize how much I'd been missing reading. So it's worth noting that I'm somebody that loves having an actual paper book. Like, my ideal reading environment is sitting on the couch with a candle in a warmly lit room with a cup of coffee on the end table and a pen in my mouth. Don't ask me why, I just love to sit with a pen in my mouth and then that way I have it to like mark notes and do all that and it's just kind of a comfort thing. But anyway, since I've gotten out of that little stunted funk and I'm back to doing the things I love, that means I'm back to being really busy. Volunteering for overtime at work, I'm going to the gym, taking my dog out for walks every week, you know, hanging out with people that I haven't seen in a long time and working on side projects like this. So all of that leaves very little time to actually sit down and read, so I am extremely grateful for audiobooks that I can listen to while doing virtually all of those things. Now, with all that backstory out of the way, something I want to start doing on the podcast is use the last episode every month to go over all the books I've read and listened to in the past four weeks, and that is what we're going to be doing today. I still spend a lot of my time listening to podcasts, so... There really aren't that many on this list, but I'm pretty sure I read a total of four entire books throughout the whole year last year, so it's good enough for me. It's a good start. Let's go ahead and talk about them. So the books that I have listened to uh, in March, I've listened to all of these. They have all been on the Libby app. It's just an app that I use that hooks up to your um, library card, and you can rent from their digital library. I've talked about it before. It's just an app that I love to use. I I don't really get Audible. I know a lot of people like to use it, but Aud- Audible also sponsors a lot of people. So that's probably why you hear about it more than something that is free that doesn't make a profit. Unless somehow with the library there's a profit turn. I don't know. But I don't really get Audible. I'm sure it's great, but I prefer to use Libby. So um, I have listened to Troublemaker by Leah Remini. Hallelujah, hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamott, The Slippery Slope by Lemony Snicket, a.k.a. Daniel Handler, and Blitzed, Drug in the Third Reich by Norman Ohler. So the first one that I read, um, about <laughs> Troublemaker, is all about Scientology and Leah Reminis, you know, she is a famous actor, she's on, or an actress, she was on King of Queens, she's been on a lot of other pilots and stuff like that, and she basically grew up in the church. She was a second-generation Scientologist, so um, she talked about how her mom and dad weren't together, and uh, they lived full-time. Her and her sister lived full-time with their mom, and one day her mom came home with a new boyfriend, and uh, this boyfriend was super nice. He said he would always be there for them. He really got along with the kids and made an effort to get to know them, and, you know, he was really just supportive and loving, and happened to be a Scientologist. So that's how her mom got involved and consequently that's how she got involved as well. So she was barely a teenager when she started being in the Church of Scientology. Eventually the church moved her and her mom and her sister away from New York into, you know, a completely different state where they didn't really know anybody and, you know, she talks a lot about that and about how eventually they ended up in California and, um just you know her whole experience up until when she leaves and a little bit after because obviously that's the reason she wrote that book you know she talked a lot about the secrecy within the organization and how every time she would you know criticize something or bring up like hey I don't think this is right something something seems wrong with this or that they would be very resistant people wouldn't they wouldn't take it. They'd be like, oh, well, what does L. Ron Hubbard say about it? He was the founder of Scientology. And so they would just say, like, well, what does, you know, what does L. Ron say? And they they weren't open to these conversations about her actual concerns. And so that's why she wrote the book. She's left the church, and she's seen a lot of the negative things that they do. And, you know, one of the things that she spent a lot of time talking about was, the fact that you are expected to donate so much money, not only donate money, but spend a lot of money on the church. She has donated millions of dollars and spent so much money. Like, if you mess up and for some reason, you know, you first of all, you have these courses that you have to take, so you have to pay for the courses. And then if for some reason they say, oh, well, you have to take the course again or the curriculum changed then you have to pay to take it again instead of them saying oh we changed the curriculum come in for an update or a refresher they make you pay to take the whole course and they also encouraged people who were in Scientology who were just regular like middle class lower class people to get credit cards max them out and donate that money to the church so that was a big criticism of hers and I think that's a really fair point you know Not saying that Scientology is a cult necessarily, but that is one big factor about cults is they will take away any sort of independence you have. They will discourage free thinking. They won't want you to have any criticism or any questions. They will just shut everything down and they will take away your freedom. Whether that be by moving you to another state to work for the church when you're a teenager or taking away your money and leaving you in a state of financial ruin, and telling you, you signed a contract with us, so if you leave, you owe us this much money. You have to pay us this much money, and if you leave after you've donated all of that money, your credit is ruined. Like, it's just insane to me. It's insane to me that a huge organization like that is out in the open, and that's how they're operating. So that was the big thing that she talked about, you know, if you've ever been to one of the most famous places to see a Church of Scientology is on Hollywood um, on Hollywood Boulevard. You can see they have it right there. They have people outside asking you if you want to take a personality test, stuff like that. So they're operating out in the open, and it's crazy. And then another thing she talked about was the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige. Miscavige. I always say it wrong, but it's Miscavige. She is the wife of the current leader of Scientology, David Miscavige, or Miscavige, <laughs> we're just, let's just say I'm going to say it how I say it, and you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, he took over after L. Ron Hubbard passed away, and um, Shelley grew up in the church. L. Ron Hubbard used to have these messengers, and I learned about this from um, a different podcast from last podcast on the left, how L. Ron Hubbard used to have these little girls that he would train to speak for him, that he would train them to, like, imitate his voice and go out and give orders, and people were scared. There was, like, there were, like, 11-year-old girls that people were scared of because they would come up to them and give them orders or tell them something, and it would be like they were talking to L. Ron Hubbard, but anyway, so Shelly was one of those messengers. She grew up in the church. She'd been there for forever. And she was married to the leader. But she hasn't been seen since 2007. Like, think about that for a second. This person, this adult, this prominent figure has been missing since 2007. And it's now 2019. And still no one has seen from her. No one has heard from her. Leah Remini got scolded for asking about her. People were like, who do you think you are? to ask about the wife of the leader of Scientology when she asked about it in the church. She would get reprimanded for asking, you know, they were friends. They exchanged Christmas cards and gifts and birthday gifts and stuff like that. And so Leah and her were friends. But she's not allowed to ask where she is. And so in 2013, Leah actually filed a police report about it. And Uh, One of the hard things for that is a lot of times, like, police officers in Los Angeles will work security events for Scientology, and that's how they make, like, a side income as being off-duty police officers. So she tried to be really careful about who got the report, and um, eventually, you know, she found a police officer that she trusted, that she had had a relationship with, like, a friendship with, and filed the police report with him he took it in. He was trying to be really careful about who got it, but eventually the missing person's department said, oh, we got a letter that said that she's fine. She doesn't want to be found. And they dropped it. That's where they left it. Because I guess as, you know, as an adult, you're legally allowed to just disappear. But so many people think that something else happened. Something's gone wrong and some things happened to her. So Leah talked a lot about that towards the end of the book. And I just think that's spooky. That's it's weird. People don't... I mean, people do. People disappear every day. But it's because something bad has happened. Nine times out of ten. Healthy, happy, unthreatened people don't just disappear. Without wanting to be found. So, anyway, if you are looking to read a book that is kind of crazy, kind of spooky and creepy, and you are into... um. I guess real life stories and or even if you're just interested in different religions or different cults stuff like that that this would definitely be a good book for you and if you get the audiobook Leah Remini actually you know does the she reads it which is a very common thing for audiobooks so that was definitely a cool one I would recommend it absolutely and then the next one I read uh these <laughs> these two middle ones are going to be quick Uh, The second one was Hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamott, and it was a really quick book. I think it was like two and a half, three hours to listen to, so it was really short and sweet, but really the point that she was just driving home was about the importance of allowing ourselves and others mercy and extending that mercy to just as many people as you can. Realizing that there are so many injustices in the world, like growing up too soon, fighting with your loved ones, struggling with addiction feeling betrayed betraying others and taking solace and sanctuary in the small kindnesses we receive every day and choosing to focus on those choosing to focus on that kindness and that mercy and choosing despite all of those things all of these horrible things that happen to say hallelujah anyway so that was a good book um like i said it was a really quick read it's kind of Kind of like a collection of short stories slash, like, autobiography slash short stories. And there's a lot of stuff that I wish that she gave more context to. But with a book being that short, you can only go so deep. So, um, like I said, if if you're looking for something super in-depth, super hard to struggle with, or you know something that you got to do your research on or really take a deep look at this wouldn't be that book but if you are looking for something that will kind of help shift your mind frame into a positive mind frame and realize that you know as I said despite all these injustices still we get mercy still we get kindness and we got to hold on to that and give it out as frequently as we can that would be the book for you if that's what you're looking for so I would recommend it it just depends on the type of book that you're looking for and then number three, I know, <laughs> The Slippery Slope by Lemony Snicket. <laughs> it's a kid's book. I get it. We read these in, like, fourth grade. But I recently finished the Netflix series, and with all the time I have to listen to stuff at work, I wanted to, like, reread them, aka listen to them, because it's something that I know, and it's something that I don't have to pay, like, a lot of attention to. So if I'm trying to pay attention to something, I mean, obviously I pay attention at work, but it's like... If I just need background noise that I don't have to really pay attention to, that's when I put these books on, so I recently listened to The Slippery Slope, and even though it is a kid's book, it really does bring light to some serious issues, like, you know, if you struggle with socially constructed morality, it talks about resilience, and it shows the benefits of curiosity and academic development, so I think it's a great series of books. The Slippery Slope is a great book. It's one of my favorite ones um, throughout the whole series, so I would definitely share that with your kids if you have them, and don't read it unless you've read the entire series up to it, because you will have literally no idea what's going on, and, th- and these, the books are actually a lot like the, um, a lot like the TV show, the Netflix show, so that's really cool. There are definitely some differences, but if your kids maybe watch it, then, it'll be easy for them to follow the storyline as well. So I would recommend that one. Spoiler alert, I recommend all of these because they're all really good. But finally, we have come to the last book that I listened to in March. And it is called Blitzed Drugs in the Third Reich by Norman Ohler. It was originally written in German. Um, and it was translated into English, and it is insane. It's as crazy, if not crazier, than Troublemaker. It's, you know, it's very historical. There's not, there's not really a narrative aspect in terms of, like, a story, a storyline. It is just talking about all of the different, like, pharmaceutical aspects of, World War II. They go into um kind of like the history of different drugs that were used and how they got out um outlawed and then how people found new things to use and how people just had a very different perspective of what was safe for your body back then. And I'm sure we have things now that people think are safer or whatever that 20 years from now people are going to be like what were they thinking? Um, But just for an example, doctors used to prescribe things like chloroform and heroin as part of a a daily health regimen, and they even prescribed heroin to babies, just saying like, oh, give them a little bit, and that'll keep them happy and healthy and functioning well. And it's nuts. It's crazy. So uh, there's that. And then, uh, you know, so that was the first backstory, just a little bit about different drugs, the history of drugs in... Um, Germany, and then they get, you get to Hitler coming to power, and Hitler tells people drugs are bad, Jews use drugs, and I'm not trying to be like racist, but I'm telling you what he thought, you know, they're for the Jews, they're for the weak, only those people use drugs, drugs are outlawed, they're done. But, he kept his armies on Pervitin, which is basically preformed meth. To keep them awake, to keep them alert and crazy and just blindly fighting, even though it was outlawed to the general public in 1941. So he, you know, his whole facade to everybody else was drugs are bad. We don't use drugs. You can't use drugs. I don't use drugs. But he supplied his armies with drugs. Like I said, to keep them awake, to keep them going, to keep them crazy. If you've seen pictures of some of their soldiers or if you've heard stories about like the relentless nature of the german soldiers it's cuz they were on meth like i i had no idea about any of this until i read this book or until i listened to this book so my mind is still blown like i'm still processing it as i'm as i'm talking about it so not only did hitler have his armies on drugs but he was on a daily cocktail getting like jacked out of his brain he took bov- he was a vegetarian but he took bovine hormones like literally as time went on I don't know if it was stress I don't know if it was psychological problems I feel like he probably had some you know mentally Hitler probably had some issues because who does that like who sets up a literal systematic elimination of multiple groups of people and is okay mentally but anyway He His health just deteriorated over time. By the end of the war, he had lost his teeth. He like, he was slurring words. He could barely stand. He said his stomach always hurt. He was always sweating because eventually he took so many drugs that eventually his doctor ran out. He had a personal doctor who would, you know, provide these drugs to him and, you know, inject him with them or whatever. And they ran out. And he had to detox and it was like, you're literally you're you're a drug addict. You're detoxing. And so if you are into historically factual books and you like history and you think I mean, not that you like World War Two, but you like history, you like learning new things about, you know, something that we've heard about our whole lives. This is definitely a good book. And one of my favorite parts from this book, not that anything, not that it's a funny thing because it's not, but people, people were afraid of Hitler. People thought that he was a strong guy. People were scared of him. You know, he, he was revered by some and he was hated, but Feared by others, and there's just this one story that makes me laugh because I'm like, man, he was such a wuss, and just because he was a good public speaker, and he was a little bit crazy. Look at all the damage he caused. But there's one story where um, Hitler's personal doctor, Dr. Morrell, was considering giving Hitler eucodol, and eucodol is basically preform oxycodone like that's another name for oxycodone but it was something at the time that you injected it into the muscle directly so Hitler had this big meeting that he had to go to in Italy and he didn't want to get on the train he was saying that he wasn't going to be able to make it but it would be a really big deal if he didn't go because it was a meeting of the Axis powers and so it was going to be rough if he didn't get there so Dr. Morell was like okay this is for the country this isn't you know, he didn't want to give it to Hitler because he knew Hitler was an addict. He knew that he would get addicted just like he'd gotten addicted to everything else and it was going to be trouble, but he knew it would be even worse for the country if Hitler didn't go. So he injected him with the Jukadol. Hitler was like, magic i and better. This is amazing. Okay, great. And then a few hours later when it was time for him to get on the train and leave, he asked for more. And Dr. Morel was like, no, that's not a good idea. You don't need it. You just needed that one dose. And suddenly, Hitler's like, oh, oh, I'm so dizzy. I can't make it. I feel so sick. I'm going to pass out. I can't go. And so Dr. Morel gave him another injection. And just like that, instantly, he was good to go. He was right on a rock. And I just, it's hilarious. He was such a wimp. He... (sighs) gosh, he was so manipulative. He was such a monster. But what a drama queen. Although I guess if you are truly an addict, you do what you need to get those drugs. So I don't want to make light of drug addiction or, um, you know, any type of type of mental illness or sickness or anything like that. But just specifically in terms of Hitler, I'm like, dude, you suck. So Anyway, I'm not trying to get on, like, I'm not trying to be insensitive to other people or make this serious at all, but I just thought that was an interesting story. That was one of the things that stuck out the most to me throughout the whole book. Um, So, like I said, if you are into uh, historically accurate, like, true, uh, you know, true accounts of things that have happened in the past, especially in the war or in Germany or in World War II, definitely consider getting that book. It is really, really fascinating. So... That is it. Those are all of the books that I have listened to in March and I will be listing them in the description if you want to give any of them a shot. There, were a wide, there was a wide range of genres, so um, as you can tell, I enjoyed each book for very different reasons and as cheesy as it sounds, I really love having books in my life again, so I can't wait to do this little month-end wrap-up again in just a few weeks. I hope that you guys liked it and you will tune in for it Um, There's going to be more books because I'm finishing some up this week and then I will also have, you know, the next three, four weeks to um, listen to more. So there will be even more to go over next month and I really, really hope that you will tune in for that. So thank you so much for listening. As always, I really, really appreciate it. You could be doing anything with your time, listening to literally anything in the world. So I appreciate that you chose to spend your time with me. If there are any books that you want me to read or listen to or go over, give my opinion on, definitely let me know either in the comments. If you are on SoundCloud or um, on Instagram and Twitter, I am at ithpodcast, so go over there and feel free to leave me a comment and let me know. That is all that I have for today. I hope you guys have had a great day so far and I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week and a great month and a great year. A great life and all that. I need to stop drinking so much coffee, but I'm gonna go now. As always, thank you so much for listening and go out there and be the voice of reason in a world full of craziness. Bye!